Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Aikidojo podcast. I am David Ito, Chief Instructor of the Aikido Center of Los Angeles. And with me is... I'm Jacob Sisk, a member of the Aikido Center of Los Angeles. Mike Van Ruth, Aikido Center of Los Angeles, Aikido Fort Don, Yaido Fort Don. Bill D'Angelo, Aikido Center of Los Angeles, Fort Don. So I think we talked, Sensei, um, about uh, approaching the role of the Aikido teacher. The Aikido teacher, the most elusive animal on the planet. <laughs> yeah, well, what do you want to know? Well, I think that there there's so many aspects to what um, the role of the Aikido teacher is, but maybe we could just break down. Uh, I mean, I mean, all of us have have been everything from the very basic level to uh, differing aspects of being Aikido teachers to, in, in your case, running uh, a school. Um, maybe we, for those people who are watching, um, we could start at the beginning. Uh, what is what is the basic thing that it, one needs to be able to do to teach Aikido? Well, it's it's layered, right? You have you have the Aikido teacher, you have Aikido instructors, you have assistant instructors, you have students. But what is the role of the teacher? The role of the teacher is to disseminate information and ensure that the next generation gets the information as uh, pure as it can be. So I'd even, I mean, you know, based on that, I'd even back up, like, so what information are, are Aikido teachers trying to impart? I mean, on the basic level, it's just Aikido physical movement. Aikido physical movement. But in a more deeper layer, it's philosophy, um, life skills. I mean, it all depends on where you are and when you start. The teaching and training that you receive as a 20-year-old is different than the teaching and training you receive as a 50-year-old. Maybe not, you know, but it's supposed to be. Right. It's supposed to be different based on your where you are in this in your life. I mean, what do you think is the definition of a teacher or the role of a teacher? Well, shouldn't we designate there's a difference between a teacher and an instructor? Well, I mean, there is in Japan or in Asia, but Americans, inst inst instructor, teacher, guy who leads the class, all the same thing. Interchangeable. But from I, a traditional standpoint, what there is a difference, though. Yes. I have a slightly different take on the question, which is how do you identify when a student is ready to be taught? What do you look for in a student? What are the different stages of that? How do you change based on where a student is in their development? Oh, how do you know if a student is ready to be taught is very difficult because the entire time you're, uh, the teacher is trying to figure out exactly who the student is so they wait they bait them they try to do certain things to bring out their true personality and when their true personality comes out that's when the beginning uh, that's the beginning of teaching but some people are really good at keeping their 
fake personality, or in Japanese they call it their tatemae, their outward face on for a long, long time, and only later, late, maybe too late, do you realize, ah, this is who that person really is. Ah, that person can't be taught. But you wait. And it's, it's not necessarily like a one, two, three. Here are the five traits that I'm looking for. But you're looking for certain things like self-sacrifice, um, going the extra mile. And you go, oh, that person took out the trash without being asked. Oh, let's see if they do it more than once. Let's see if they do it without looking around to see if I'm looking. Let's let's see if this person does it, you know, when they don't need to do it. And so you're looking for little things like that to teach them. But it, like, but that's more of like a deeper level of teaching, the philosophical life, life skills. For just basic movement, you go, oh, I say move your foot, the person moves their foot. I say turn your head, they turn your head. The worst thing you can do is go, no, I don't want to do that. You know, student reply, you go, hey, you should move your foot. And then the student goes, nah. Like someone said to me the other day, and I was like, whoa. Well, then that makes me not want to say anything to this person because if they're why not, waste your time yeah why waste your time helping this person when they don't want it so in class i will give someone um a correction like three times hey uh, slide forward more you know deeper no deeper no they have to get to this line and if they can't figure it out by the third one i just stop saying it not not to be punitive but just i realize that in that moment the person can't hear me and i have to wait till they're ready to hear me before giving them that correction again in the same way, or also maybe need to change the correction because maybe they don't understand. But essentially, you try to, you're, you're trying to figure out just who they are and where they are mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and all that stuff, and then you try to lead them forward. So, so be, here's my next question then. So being a teacher is hard. It is emotionally draining. You are necessarily investing in other people. How do you keep yourself nourished and sustained as you do it? It's a long journey. It's difficult for you. How do you survive it? I don't know. I tell you honestly, I have no idea how the teachers survive. I look at other teachers and I see, oh, that person's given up. That person um, doesn't care anymore. That that person is uh, more self-serving. That person just ab uses and abuses to get what they want. And if that person leaves, they leave. So I have no idea. Personally, as a teacher, you know, I've been a teacher now for 13, 14 years. And I have no idea how to maintain my own balance while trying to give people something without getting too emotionally invested. And then, you know, like one of the things that's really interesting about teaching <clears throat> and, as, and being an, an acupuncturist is the same thing is the better you become, the faster they leave. And they think, damn, that it's because, you know, so if I'm a really good Aikido teacher, I can get them doing Aikido really well in a couple of years and then they go, well, what else, what do I need to stay here for? You know, because the teacher, the one of the saddest things about a teacher, I don't mean to bring the room down, is that the teacher never gets to choose their student. The student must teach, the, the student must choose the teacher to be their teacher. And the teacher can accept or not accept, but the teacher never gets to choose. And that's super sad. So I have no idea how to keep the balance, how to keep yourself grounded, how to do all those things, because you have no idea who that one is going to be. And theoretically, you're going to go through all these students, make all these mistakes until you are lucky enough to find someone and then impart that knowledge so that they can keep whatever it is you're trying to teach going into the next generation. 
And, it, and it's funny because I had left to go to Arizona for a while and I opened my own school there. And you think, oh, it's going to be so cool to open your own school. And then you realize, especially you start saying, talking about certain things, I go, oh, I've made that mistake. Oh, because you make all these mistakes in, in being a teacher, how you how you instruct, how you relate with the student, and then or you give too much too early, and then, oh, that bites you. Know, so many pitfalls of being a, a teacher and, and how you conduct yourself with the students. Um, and, then, and then since they would tell me certain stories, well, it, if they do this, this is probably what's going to happen. And then it happens, and you're like, God, he was so right. You, you, there's so many pitfalls of being a, a teacher. You learn so much, but it's a painful lessons that you learn from. Yeah, and that's the, that's the hard thing is that you have to learn these painful lessons, and then you see a lot of these famous teachers with no heir apparent, no successor. And then I go, oh, I see how that happened. They just weren't lucky enough to have someone go, hey, I'd like to do this after you're, you're gone. You go, really? And that's why you see a lot of Aikido schools, even not just Aikido, a lot of martial arts schools in general, they only last one generation. And then the second or third generations are horrid, right? They're bad Aikidoists or bad martial artists or they're bad people. And you think, how did this happen? And that's because you have to, it, it really comes down to luck, I think. Seems that way. So, so a healthy, happy school has a lot of components to it. A, a teacher is incredibly important. A robust student body is incredibly important. Um, how do you feel like students should support each other in being good students of a teacher? Like, what, what is the role of the student body, if you will, in, in supporting any individual student's ability to be taught? Well, that's where it comes down to the seniors and juniors, the senpai kohai thing, where the, at, at every level, the higher up looks after the person below them, and then so on and so forth, right? And so they say, like, in, ja in the Japanese culture, no two people are of the same level. There's always going to be someone higher and lower, depending on your age, your status, your job, all these different things. So there's always, you're always going to need your senpai, your senior, to look after you. So if Bill, you know, doesn't take out the garbage, and then he gets in trouble, he imparts that knowledge onto the person below him, and then so on and so forth. But what ends up happening is he doesn't take out the garbage, he doesn't really care, so the garbage never gets taken out, and then the teacher just, teacher just gets mad. So, it's it, it's it's the teacher is only supposed to come in and give the main tweak. The students themselves are supposed to be self-governing. He's the guy that collects the dues. He's the guy that makes sure someone uh, cleans the bathroom. He's the guy. It's not for me to come down and be like, can, can someone clean the bathroom today? No, like that's the seniors, juniors thing, and it's because the senior cares so much about the school that they ensure that things get done and people are taken care of as opposed to a senior who only cares about themselves, then everything below that person is gonna deteriorate. The schools cannot handle that. They have to have someone in the middle between the teacher and the student that advocates for the student. You know, when I was a student, people, Sensei would call me and be like, we're kicking this guy out of the dojo. And I'd be like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Tell me what happened. And then he'll tell me the story. And, and before I even talk to the person, I'd be like, so what's what can I work out here? Let's just not kick them out. Can I? Can we suspend them? Can we do this? What are you, what are you comfortable with? Just kick them out. And I'd, I'd say, we can't kick them out. We can't afford it. So how can we make this work? And then I would come up with a um, compromise and then take call that person and be like, hey, so tell me what happened with Sensei. 
and then they would tell me the story and then I would explain to them what they did wrong. Man, you know you gotta do this. Or sometimes people would call me and be like, this happened at the dojo, what do I do? And I'd say, this is how you handle it. So like one, one student who we won't, I won't say his name, he wanted to quit Yaido, but he didn't want to quit Aikido. So he called me and he said, what do I do? Because if I quit Yaido, Sensei's probably gonna kick me out of the dojo. And I said, oh, that's simple. Just tell Sensei that your job has changed and that you're no longer, from a scheduling standpoint, gonna be able to come to Yaido, but you will still pay your Yaido dues and your Aikido dues, and, but you're so sorry that you can't come. He was like, that's all I gotta do? I'm like, yeah, man. Call up, he talked to Sensei, pays both his Yaido and Aikido dues, just doesn't come to Yaido anymore, and Sensei's fine with it. But had he just went to Sensei and said, I don't want to do Yaido anymore and I'm going to stop paying Yaido dues, Sensei would have been like, Hamon, which means excommunicated, mm -hmm. you know, kicked out. <laughs> but he came to me as a senior. I wasn't, I wasn't the ranking senior, but I was a senior. And I told him the way to, in which to negotiate Sensei. And that's what the senior is supposed to do. You go, oh, you can't, you can't tell Sensei that. You can't do that. Here, let, this is what you got to do. And then that person feels like because you helped them out, they feel indebted to you because you help them that they're going to try to help you when the time comes. Oh, well, Bill, you're taking out the trash. Here, let me help you because you help them. And then it becomes this like symbiotic relationship between you and the people above and below you. And then it's happening at all levels, not just with the teacher. And then that's how Dojo becomes a community. But, you know, that's very hard to do because the people in the middle below the teacher have to care. And sometimes they don't, it's not that they don't care, they just, they don't know how to be like that. They got to that position, but they don't know how to be a caring person. And then they fail. Do you think some of that, I mean, you say they fail, but I, as, as Jacob was asking some of these questions, one of the things that's been like circling back in, in my mind is that, you know, we've talked about Aikido as a traditional martial art in the earlier podcast, um, that what you're talking about is a, very traditional role of teaching, traditional way of teaching. Um, do you notice that um, us being a, a school in the United States where most of the students are not um, Japanese, n none of them really are, uh, how does that, how do you see, you know, we talked about teaching the content of Aikido movement, but you're also talking about imparting um, a traditional culture. How, how do you s see your ability or the techniques to teach that culture? Because it, it sounds like that it's, you can't really teach that to the, all levels of the student body. How is that system taught? Well, that's the thing is it's taught to the seniors first, and then the seniors disseminate it down, 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 the, down, down, down the chain. But like today, it's, it's what's really difficult is because most martial arts schools, they have a cleaning lady. Someone cleans up the place. You don't have to clean up anything. Throw up on the mat, someone else will clean it up. But the thing about Aikido, which is different than any other martial art, is that you can tell its sophistication by how clean and pristine the training area is. So if you go to these other martial arts, right, it doesn't make them bad martial arts, but if you go to other martial arts, the training space isn't very pristine. But the Aikido training space is very pristine and very meticulous because that's creating that mindset inside your own mind. No one wants to step on a piece of glass while they're training. No one wants to fall into a crack and break their toe. 
That's ridiculous. You're trying to learn Aikido. Why do you got to negotiate those things? I mean, I guess you can make impediments like that to get all tricky, but essentially learning Aikido is hard enough, but it's part of the training to be meticulous because if you can pick up a, you know, a little rock on the mat, that's a rock that no one has to step on, right. but you were able to see it. But now what happens is that I'll be scolding one of the seniors and they're like sitting there and then they pick up the little thing and put it in and I just go, and that makes me matter. Because they're only doing that to show me, oh, no, no, but look, I, I am a good student. Because right then they're getting scolded, so they should be paying attention. But I can't tell you how many times they go and le lean forward and pick up the little uh, piece of dirt on the mat and then put it in their uniform like the, a good the student. A little white thread lying there. <laughs> while, while, while they're getting scolded for, for some other um, infraction. But that's the hard part. Like, you know, martial arts schools have cleaning people. Someone else does the billing. Someone else does all this stuff. In a traditional martial arts school, the students do everything. The students do the billing. The students clean the dojo. The students fix the broken window. They do all those things, not because it's oppressive, but it's because it's part of their training. And as we talked about in this a few podcasts ago, how you do anything is how you do everything. So if you can't clean up the mess that you made, how are you going to become good at Aikido? Your mindset will be locked in. This is just for me. This is going to do this thing. You won't be able to be flexible enough. And that was the funny thing that people would come in and we would make them clean up and they'd be like, I don't clean. I don't even clean at home. And since you'd be like, yes, you clean up here. And then later on, their, their uh, wife or husband would say, wow, you know, after they started doing Aikido, they really started helping out around the house because they couldn't transfer cleaning in the dojo and then not cleaning at home. So they had to clean at home as well. Right, so that's, but then everyone wants to clean a clean dojo, right? It's not just a cultural thing that says you should clean up after yourself. It's a, that's a, there are a few, there are a lot of things that are uh, constants throughout any culture. There's a, there's thank you, there's please, there's clean, there's this that. So everyone knows how to do those things, but then if you feel if you feel entitled and you don't have to do those things, that's where, and then that's where the teacher goes, oh, that person doesn't like cleaning the bathroom. You now clean the bathroom. You don't want to clean the bathroom? Get out. And then the teacher, then you're like, how did the teacher know? Well, doesn't that become an impediment? That entitlement become an impediment to yeah. their training? And so the, that's they can the, only go so far. Yeah. And then the teacher goes, oh, Jacob doesn't like to get his hands dirty. Jacob, you will dig the ditch outside. No gloves. Ah, then you're like digging it. And, they, and then at some point you just get over it. You know, like one time we were... We used to host uh, this uh, kids' summer program from the Zen from the temple up the street, and we would have to, br at a certain t moment, we'd have to walk to the temple, walk, escort the kids to the dojo, teach them Aikido, and then escort them back. And then you have to show up a certain at a, you know, like maybe thirty minutes before that time and clean the dojo. So of course I show up. The rest of the seniors don't. And when I get there. A homeless person had emptied out the entire dumpster from the sushi bar next door. Mm. So all there was was like dead fish, rice. Oh, it's so gross. That must have smelled good. Oh, it was, and I was like, if that guy was here right now, I'd beat him up. I was so, and then and then this, none of the other seniors showed up on time. And, you know, mind you, this is before everyone has like um, rubber latex gloves in their car or something like that. So I had to like grab it with my hands and the clock was ticking. 
the kids are going to be coming in like 10 minutes. So I was like in my uniform, grabbing it, throwing it in the trash, grabbing it, and you know, and then get it all off the ground in the dumpster, push the dumpster back out of the alley, and then all the other seniors walk up. And I was so mad. And then I went upstairs, and you know, the, the old Frio Dojo didn't have a bathroom. It was just the only bathroom was in Frio Sensei's uh, um, residence. So I go, I need to use the restroom. And my hands are all covered in, in slime. slime and rice. And then Sensei looked at my face, and he was like, whew, he's mad. <laughs> and then I was like washing my hands in the sink, like just, oh. And of course, I got all mad at the guys that, all Shut the other up. seniors, and they were like, what? So what, man? Like, they didn't even care. And I was just like, you know, but then where are those people now? They're not here. Some of them are still Aikidoists. Some of them are horrible people. But I showed up on time, and I did the de I did the thing that I had to do, even though I didn't want to do it. And I didn't have a, it's not that I had a problem with sushi rice and all that type of stuff, but I didn't like to get my hands dirty. And you're in uniform. And I'm in uniform. And to this day, I still have this problem because of that. I saw this problem of getting my hands dirty. Like, if I'm going to pet a dog, I pet the dog. But if I don't want to get my hands dirty, then I'm not going to pet the dog. I'm all, oh, shoot. Because my hands either have to be clean or they have to be dirty. But there's no in-between. They're not slightly dirty or slightly clean. They're either clean or they're dirty. So I, from that thing, I got a little like PTSD from it. Because it was so gross. So then, you know, as you're telling this story it, and other, other students' sort of nonchalance, I, I, you know, I wonder, because um, we've talked about this too, about you know, whether a dojo can be a business, not a business. Um, American or sort of capitalist ways of looking at things. Do you think that in the cleaning that um, there are real cultural blocks for a lot of people coming into Aikido training that it takes time for people to break these things down and, there, and that there are you know, epiphany moments where people are like, oh yeah, I'm really going to have to change my thinking to adapt to this way of training or being taught. Maybe training is not the right word since we're talking about teaching today well yes and no like you have the person that is a japanophile oh i love everything you know call me david though isn't it david yes but i like the way a japanese name sounds you go that seems ridiculous so you have like the japanophile right and then you just have the american person right but but like like i said everyone understands clean everyone understands thank you everyone it's just your ego which makes you say i don't bow to others i don't clean i don't i don't clean up and that's where the sensei goes, oh, that's who you really are. That's your hone, your inside face. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're cleaning now. And then if you don't, first sensei would be like, then leave. You don't, mm -hmm. there's no, you don't need to, sensei would say, I don't want to waste your time. You don't want to waste my time. So let's not waste time. You should just quit. And I was like, oh, damn. Like, you, I can never, as a teacher today, I can never say that. I'm like, hey, hey, Jacob, how's it going, my man? Look, um, Cleaning the bathroom is part of your training, and you know. And then today, I like totally try to talk him into it. When I was a student, I'd be like, "If you don't clean that bathroom, I'm gonna kick your butt." And they would look at my face and I'd be like, "Oh, sure, no problem. I'll clean that bathroom." But then that's not the right way either, right? I was totally like, I was, a, I was, a, I was crazy when I was a student, right? right? I was the, I was the dojo for um, uh. Enforcer. Hen enforcer <laughs> hen uh, uh, henchman, right? So I'd be like, you're going to clean that bathroom or else you and I are going to have a problem. Do you want to have a problem? And they'd be like, no. And I'd be like, then clean it. But, 
you know, that's, I don't, I understand today that that's not the way. So today I go, hey, Jacob, how's it, how's it going, man? Hey, could you help me clean the bathroom and we'll clean it together? And then, you know, we do it like that because you have to coerce people now, right? But in the other day, they, the only way you could get personal time with the teacher is to do a personal errand for the teacher. So the teacher asks you to clean the bathroom. You're like, hi. And you're like waiting for the sensei to say something to you. He's going to say something. He's going to impart some knowledge. <laughs> and nothing. <laughs> no, every time I drove him, people ask me, hey, did sensei ever talk about stuff where he drives you, say, say something, give, drop some wisdom on you? I go, no. He didn't say nothing. He's most time he just fell asleep. Yeah, he fell asleep. And I just drove around <laughs> L.A. till he woke up and uh, like all scared the whole time. Like one time he drove back from uh, Ki to get uniforms, and it was in the afternoon. And since he, I don't know my way around L.A. And this is before GPS. We're driving in my truck, and then we get we leave the place. He goes turn here, and he just fell asleep. And I was like, oh. Oh my gosh, I don't know where, I don't know my way around. I'm like looking around and driving and I just kept driving. And then he's, I mean, for like 20, 30 minutes, he just snored. And I was like, the whole time I'm like sweating bullets, like, oh, I'm going to be in so much trouble. And then he woke up, he goes, turn right here. <laughs> and then I, then I figured out where I was. But the whole time I was like, oh no, I'm going to die. He's going to yell at me. We're going to get lost. Because he always used to get mad at me because I would get lost. But like, that's the thing like you would you would people really wanted personal time with the teacher so whenever asked for a um to do to do an errand for the teacher clean something do something people would jump at it because they would think that the teacher would talk to them afterwards oh you did a really good job cleaning that bathroom bill good job and then you go oh thank you so about my aikido or something some little thing like that but no for instance it was not that teacher mm -mm. that you would say hey can i ask you a question Right. People say that to me all the time. Hey, can I ask you a question? And I go, sure, because I don't care. But for your sensei, if you said, hey, can I ask you a question? He would say, sure. And then anything you asked, he would just rip Light you up. Light you up over oh, it. So you think, and then you're all, no, no, I don't think that at all. I, oh. So I'm, some of you know this story. When I was a student, uh, I was outside talking with this other student, and the other student was telling me how I should cross-train in Shotokan Karate. So I'm standing there listening to this guy talk, and then Sensi walks back from the temple, and then he walks right by us, and then he goes inside the dojo. The next day, I'm going, I'm dressing in the dressing room, and Sensi goes, "Hey, what were you guys talking about?" And like a and like a very uninformed, ignorant <laughs> young person, I said, "Oh, we were talking about how Aikido doesn't really work and how you need to cross train." Oh my God! Sensi yelled at me for like. A long time he yelled at me for so long like you know when you stood at attention too long and then those people that pass out yeah I was starting to get light lightheaded and my eyes was trying to blink I was like oh no I'm gonna pass out you know what I'm, right you know what I'm saying hi you're gonna no, hi you don't know anything about Aikido just to make that judgment I keep hi like, oh please <laughs> please my, my knees are, 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 are screaming I'm standing there at attention and then afterwards, that guy said, hey, man, so about Shotokan, I was like, dude, Shut nothing up. against you. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. No, you, I go, dude, no, thank you. <laughs> right? But like, you know, because you didn't want the teacher to talk to you. But American people want the teacher to talk to them. Right. Japanese people do not want the teacher to talk to them. You're opening yourself so, way wide open. So two questions that are kind of related. Um, I'll ask him at once, but answer whatever order, of course. Um, how do you feel like your teaching style has evolved over the last decade and a half? Um, 
And and the other half of it is like you know in the world from any walk of life, who are the teachers that you really admire and why? And 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 what about the way they teach is really appeals to you and you think is powerful? Uh, how my Aikido teaching has changed in the last has it how's how's it changed is I'm not as much of a bully as I used to be. So I would watch your movement and then be like, you got to change this, this, and this, or you're, or this is going to happen. And then I just thrash them, which is super mean. And, you know, because I was very serious as an Aikidoist. And so I, when I, the hardest part about being a teacher is that when you had to come in from the cold, when I was no longer a warrior and had to become a teacher, that that is still very hard for me. Because I'm like, kill it. Just destroy it. And you go, oh, you can't be like that. This It's an older f- person. It's a person with a handicap. It's a person with this. You can't do that. And but before, I'd be like, I don't give a crap. Like, oh, you, you know, you got a problem? Because in my day, when you had a problem, they beat it out of you. You're too afraid to roll? Let me help you with that. You don't know how to do that? Let me help you with that. So today, it's the way it's evolved is I'm much nicer, more patient. So I'll watch somebody and then go, this person's not ready for a correction. I can tell by the look on their face, they're just trying to get through the, the class. So no need for a, no need for a correction. And then I just try to make sure that they don't train with this guy. And then this guy starts beating them up and they go, oh man, he's not aware. So, I mean, it's changed him, but then I'm not sure if that's the right way either because Fru Sensei and the teachers of that level terrorized you so that you would train hard. And so you were like, oh man, I got to train harder. I'm going to get beat up. I got to train harder so I can beat the people up that are beating me up. And today I go, I don't allow that. This guy starts beating up on him. This guy starts beating up on someone. I go, hey, stop it. It's not necessary because we don't know what people go through. And so today I'm much more patient as a teacher you know, so uh, I try to look at each person and go, mm, uh, uh, I don't say anything, you know, but and to, to answer your second question, that is a very difficult question because I do not have a teacher and on a certain level, don't, I don't know if I even should even say this, like I didn't really have a teacher. I had a teacher, he taught me, but I'm very autodidacting. So I'm very good at teaching myself. I te- taught myself how to ride a bike. I taught myself to walk, talk. You know, I, before I turned one years old, I talked, I talked, I walked. I went to the bathroom by myself. My parents didn't have to teach me. So I'm very autodidacting. So when I was a student with, under Free Sensei, he and I had a very adversarial relationship. I, I was his student and I am very loyal to him, but I don't know if he thought of me as his student. I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. He never said it was. Never said that way. Like I said, we had a very adversarial relationship, so we butted heads a lot. So today, when I look at teachers, I look at them from the lens of Furu Sensei, and I look at them from my own lens as a teacher, and then I just go, "Ugh, I don't like that." So I look at like Hombushi Hans, and I just go, "Why does that guy who's in his seventies have to do Aikido like that?" And then I think, do I want to do stuff like that? Do I want to act like that? Then I meet people who are like second degree black belt and 70 years old in Japan. And I think, what a great person. Wow. I don't necessarily look up to other teachers. 
but I'm inspired by other people who teach. Like my kid's swim coach they had for one, one small section was this like 20 something kid who I was like, wow, man. Like I thought to myself, wow, I wish I could be like her. She was kind. She was talkative. She talked to my kids, even though they're super shy and joke with them and got them out to, to come out of their shell. After the class, the sections before when my kids had taken swim, the, the swim instructors didn't say anything to us. She came out, she said hi, she introduced herself in a very positive, pleasant way. She explained where she thought my kids were and what my kids could do better if they swam by themselves. She asked me if I had any questions, but I was like, wow, I wish I was like her when I was in my 20s. You know, there was nothing, she, well, she, she could be a raging alcoholic at home, but I, don't, I can't see it because she was so positive and kind. So I, th I don't look at other teachers per se and say, God, I want to be like this Shihan or that Shihan. It's just physical movement to me. And people hate it when I say that, by the way. What like, do you mean by it's just physical movement? It's just movement. Dude, they teach monkeys how to sign language and they teach, a, teach an elephant how to ride a bike. It's just, it's just your hand moves here, your hand doesn't move there. And then you have to be smart to be like, like this? Oh, like that. As opposed to you just go, I don't do it that way. You're a fool. I laugh when people come and take my class from other dojos and they do their own thing. I think, what a waste of time. Why did you come here? <laughs> Why'd you come here? You're wasting your time, you're wasting my time. You want to catch, catch something? Catch that movement? Be steal as good it. as that person? Steal it? But... I mean, so today I don't really have anyone that I look up to. I mean, they're knowledgeable people. But then, you know, I meet knowledgeable acupuncturists who are teachers, take their class, and I think, man, this person's smart, but what a jerk. Even my own, in my own acupuncture lineage, I go, why do people got to act like that? Why do people got to treat each other like that? You know, so I mean, and then the question that comes to mind as I answer your question is, is the standard of te teacher, the per one who calls himself teacher, lower today than it was 30 years ago? Seems that way. There's a famous Aikido teacher who I am loosely um, associated with because of my grandparents. And he's a really well-known Aikido teacher, not a, not Aikikai style, but Key Society. But every time you see him in the picture, he's like making this hand gesture, pointing at his beer and doing all these things. And you think... Man, is that what you want a teacher to be? In the old days, you know, they didn't have, of course, they didn't have social media, but you didn't know anything about the teacher. Because knowing things about the teacher, you know, that old saying, familiarity breeds contempt, uh, could hinder how that person teaches you. Because then you can't, all you can hear is, I have a love of drugs and pornography while the person's teaching you, so you can't follow that person. But, you know, like, I don't have anyone that I look at and I go, I mean, I have friend Aikido teachers who are f friends of mine that I go, oh, I'd love to be like that. Oh, I'm trying to, you know, do this. Oh, I'm trying to do that. You know, like, kind of like that person. But I don't follow them. And can, can you have more than one teacher? That's, that's a really interesting question. Can you have, in your lifetime, more than one teacher? I don't know because you only have one lifetime. So you're supposed to start your training when you're in the sixth month of the sixth year as a child. And so you, by the time you turn 26, you've been with your teacher for 20 years already.
right? And by the time you turn 36, you're already a sixth on, have have really learned everything your teacher has to has to give you. So then maybe you could find another teacher to, to bring you to the next level. But if you started Aikido when you were 40, how many Aikido teachers can you have after 40? Because you, your, your lifespan as a student is, is already kind of cut out. So how many teachers can you have? Oh, I follow this person. Oh, I follow that person. Or like a friend of mine who's like, oh, I follow this person. Have you ever met them? No. How, how, how can that pe person be, how can you be that person's student and you, that person be your teacher if you've never even met them? You just follow them on social media. That doesn't mean anything, mm -mm. right? So can you really have more than one teacher in your lifetime? You know, it's an interesting question because you were talking at the very beginning of the podcast about how teachers, there's different levels of teachers and being a teacher means different things at different times. So maybe what you're talking about is what, what does it mean when you're already a high-ranked teacher like you are to have a teacher? Like what, what would it mean for someone who's fifth or sixth on um, to have a seventh, eighth, or ninth on teacher? Like what, what would that relationship, like let's say, so let's just say you are where you are. Like if you could imagine having a teacher who's a seventh, eighth, or ninth on teacher, could you imagine that relationship and what would you want to get from that relationship? I can't imagine that relationship because most times people already have the ego of the teacher. You call me, you know, they, they, send, they, they end their emails, you know, David Sensei. So you know, oh, it came from the Sensei, right? You have that ego that says that you're the teacher. So it's very hard for you to learn because to learn, you have to bow your head. And most people don't want to bow their heads. They mm -hmm. want to be bowed too. And then today, there are seventh and eighth on teachers, but should I even say this? A majority of them aren't true seventh or eighth on teachers. They are time served teachers. Mm -hmm. And that time served person um, can lead a class and teach you all kinds of fancy things and all that stuff, but that doesn't make them a teacher. Right. Right. So if you look at someone like um, Suganuma Sensei, he was a second doshu student. And second doshu, I would imagine, was his quote unquote teacher. But Suganuma Sensei also follows a Zen Buddhist teacher. Right. You know, because he's a he's a practicing Zen Buddhist person, so then that's you have to kind of leave your genre sometimes to find that outside teacher. But it's really hard. You know, I have a calligraphy teacher, but he's younger than I am. Right. You know, so I can't really call him my teacher. He's all hip hip hopped out and stuff. And right, we, you know, I know who he is. And so he can't. I, I can't really. But he teaches me all kinds of interesting stuff. Tells me things because he has a traditional background. But I wouldn't necessarily call him my teacher. He's my calligraphy. I call him my calligraphy teacher, but he's not really my teacher, you know. And so, my teacher passed away 14, 15 years right. ago. So I can't really say that I found a and, new teacher. And the funny thing is, and Jacob can attest to this, for like ten years or more, I was always trying to find somebody to teach me, teach me, teach me. Hey, 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 and all these people just turn me down. Right. And I'd be like, why do people do that? Man, it's so mean. It's because they. I'm that type of person, which I don't know if this is true, but some um, spiritual, some some like uh, energy healer person told me, oh, you're the, you're, and I, this is unprompted, said your spirit is unteachable because you can teach yourself. And I was like, yeah, but can't, don't I get to have a, a day where someone tells me I would love to be in your guys' shoes. 
I, I loved being the senior because I love being organized. I love being on the ball. I love looking out for other people. So I loved being that person to be like, hey, Bill, if you beat that girl up one more time, you and I are going to have a problem. Mike, make sure you take out the trash. Jake, make sure you wash the dishes. Like, I love doing that. Right. But I can't do it in the current position that I am because it's just too much work. But I would love to be someone. I mean, I try with my acupuncture teacher, the acupuncture senior. Like, I would like to be, you know, and, then, and they're just like, no. Oh, uh, yeah, you're good. And you go. <laughs> so I can't. It's hard for me to find a teacher. Right. And then every person that wants to be my teacher is this person who's trying to manipulate me. And then I go, darn it. Right. <sighs> and then I had to drop them because I realized that this person was just trying to use me to, to get something that I already that I currently have. Mm -hmm. Right. So I don't have anyone. I've never I have not met anyone that is I call my teacher. I mean, I am a student of Third Doshu and Dojo Cho, but that's my loyalty. But I'm really a free sensei student. Right. And then someone would have to really amaze the heck out of me for me to say, Free Sensei is no longer my teacher. I now follow Jim Jones, and right. we're all going to drink the Kool-Aid. And it's possible that with Free Sensei having passed away, that your teacher's passed away. Right. I mean, what I, what I kind of think of when, I, when, we, when we talk about this is, and I don't know whether it's my own fascination with this, but I keep coming back to, because you and I have talked about this so many times, is that video that you and I, we, we've watched it together, I've watched it on my own, are those um, kendoists that are vying for eighth dawn exam. That that leadership and, and self-discipline to apply um, that personal commitment to attempt that uh, grading. Um, martial artists at that level. Um, I, I tend to think that the, that level of commitment would be interesting to engage in for someone to find a teacher like that, someone who can commit at their own level to develop might be interesting teachers. I'm not saying we should go off and try to find a kendoist who's vying for eighth dawn, but whatever that spirit is. Well, uh, yeah, and that, but that's the thing. You, If you watch that video, which remind me to put it in the link when we post this thing, is that like the guy who, one of the guys who's vying for his eighth dawn in kendo, he's got to be like in his late 70s. Yeah. And here he is getting smacked in the in the head, and then and, and then getting chewed out by his teacher. And this is here. This is an aged man yeah. with his head down. Height, height. And most people, especially Westerners, can't do that. Can't do it. I especially mean, at that age, you're like, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, I'm already who I already am. There's no way. Yeah. And then that guy who in that video they followed, he had attempted it twenty times. Yeah, many than, many times. You know, dozens of times. And here he yeah. is. Still trying to vie for that eighth dawn and getting scolded and told what to do by younger people and all this stuff. But that's the thing is that, like, how badly do you want to learn? Right. How badly do you want this? And what, how big or how little is the impediment to where you can't, you just can't go on anymore? Right. Oh my gosh, there's a thumbtack in the road. Well, I guess can't go to dojo today. Right. You know, it's like, well, there's a flash flood outside. Can I get around it? What if I tie this rope around my waist? You fly a plane. Can you fly me there? Everyone's like, you're crazy. Right. No, you're, you were so hungry for knowledge that you will do anything to get it. As opposed to, oh my gosh, there's a thumbtack in the street. I can't go to the dojo today. Right. Sorry, Sensei, can't make it in. Um, accident on the freeway. Let's go get some beers, guys. Oh, shoot, I haven't had the phone yet. <laughs> you know? But that's the funny thing today. It's like you, I, the excuses that I hear 
from the students today, I go, wow, man, if I was, if Free Sensei was alive, he'd be like, come on, get that person out of here. There was, you could have a broken arm and you're like, no, I'm, I'm still here. And then you're like telling your, your training partner, don't crank my arm, it's broken. And then that guy looks at you and goes, oh, I get it. Wink, don't do anything. Cause they already know that you're, that you're, you, you came because you were injured. And so they're going to try to help you get through the day. Right. But today they go, hey, is your arm broken? I, hey, everybody, this guy's arm's broken. Totally putting him on blast. And then that person can't save face. That person is humiliated and all those different things. Because again, like we were talking about earlier, the senior has to take care of the junior. The junior, th I think of you, you think of me. In Japanese, they call amae, right? Because we're one family. I, take, I think of you, you think of me. He's not going to go off and, um, you know, sell his car to make a couple extra bucks because he picks me up and takes me to the dojo so he goes oh i better all right well i better find that money some other place i realized that he didn't sell his car to make money so then i asked a couple people and i go hey jacob here's here's some money and then he goes wow and then we have this relationship like that right right but that's the hard part today that do people really want that and then if you're above the age of 40 or 50 and some other person goes you're wrong you go hi dude I don't even think that's possible. I try to tell you guys, hey man, don't, maybe you should do it. I, I know how to do it. And I go, okay, my man. And then when it doesn't go that way, I go, how did that go? This guy knows all about it. <laughs> every other day I go, hey, I don't think that's the, and he goes, and I go, all right, tough guy, let all it right. rip. But I mean, that's the hard part about the teacher-student relationship that you can, that you can never allow yourself into you have to there has to be a certain point where the you and the teacher become equals and then you surpass the teacher but up until that point you must always even past that point you must always think of the teacher as your teacher because the thing the teacher is trying to do to you the most is suppress your ego so even when the teacher's like sit down have a cup of coffee i will stand just sit and then they have to go ah just sit down and you're like oh okay because You've already re you've already surpassed that person, uh, but you have to still maintain that humility that you haven't, so that you can still grow, still become a better person, still become a better, more competent teacher, and all those different things. But that's really hard to do because at a certain point, I deserve this. At a certain point, I'm better than he ever was, right? And you think, like then people, it's over. People always tell me, "Oh my gosh, you surpassed Free Sensei. You did all these things," and I go, "Uh uh." I go like on maybe in this one thing, but there's like eight hundred thousand other things where I'm all like trailing behind, you know. But when they, people want to kiss my butt, they always say, "You you surpass Fruya Sensei. You're you're a better Aikido than Fruya Sensei." And I just go, "That person's lying." But you have to have that in your mind because the moment you go, you know what? He's right. I think I have. <gasps> Boom! You can never never learn anything. And you'll 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 miss all the little cues, and then you'll be you'll be in a jerk, <laughs> for lack of a better word, you know. But I mean, that it's about learning. It's, it has nothing. To, being a teacher doesn't mean anything. It's all about personal development. Then, as you develop yourself, you go from being a student to an instructor to a teacher. That those are just titles. You still need to learn. You still need to improve. And so the construct of the teacher is just there to help the person behind you. This person, Jacob, is a, 
enjoys this position in his job, that means on a certain level, he's my teacher. You're a lawyer. So on a certain level, when I need uh, uh, legal advice, you are my teacher. When I need a leather wallet, I call this guy and then he becomes my teacher, right? But it's that thing is that you start getting hung up on the title. That's where things get all out of hand. I can't be taught anymore. I know all these different crazy things. Do you? Yeah. So here's an interesting story. Like I was in Japan and I went to this dojo where everyone there was was really old, above the age of 70 or 60. And when I was training with this one person doing kokidosa, I was like, I'm going to let this old man have it. And then when I was doing kokidosa, and then I would activate my, my power, his hand would slip ever so slightly. And then I was like, oh, I, I broke the grip. I used too much power and I broke the grip. And I was like, oh. So I have to think about things. And you know, I've been doing Aikido by then like 25 years, 30 years. The person who's with me is all like, man, did you see me beat up the, all those old people? They couldn't even stop me. And I was like, oh, he missed the subtlety is that when my hand slipped, I realized that I had used too much power and I had broken that person's grip. This person was only focused on how much he was kicking butt on these old people, right? And you think, oh, but that's the thing. That person's ego was causing them to stop learning. Rather than my mind, I'm always trying to learn, trying to steal, that when I saw the hand ever so slightly go like that, ever so slightly slip, I realized, oh, I used too much power. I broke the grip. All right, how do I do that? And then they're doing stuff to me, and I was like, what are they doing? And then, you know, and then I'm like, in my, in my, in my heart, I'm like, I want to ask a question. But it's not proper, because that person's not my friend or my senior or my teacher. So I, and I have to just go home and think about it. But in my heart, I'm like, oh, I want to ask. I want to ask this person, what are you doing with that thing? But you can't, because it's, that's not the right, that's not the old way. And these guys were old, definitely old way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, so we've covered we've covered like like how your teaching has evolved. We've covered we've covered like you know what other teachers have meant to you or the, or the lack thereof. Um, how have you seen being a student evolving in parallel? Like I've heard I've heard many negative things about it, but you know I've I've seen the dojo through at this point decades of, of iterations of it, and in many ways it's a kind of a happier place than it was at different different times. Um, what's good and what's bad about what's changed? Like, what's tell me about the evolution of the students, too. What's good is that p today the students care about each other. They know what's going on. They go, oh, how's your girlfriend? How's your, you know, they know everything that's going on with you. Back in the day, we didn't know anybody's wives or girlfriend's <laughs> names. We didn't have anyone's telephone number. When Furrier Sensei died, we cobbled together maybe 20 people's telephone numbers, called them, and had them come to the hospital. Because it was frowned upon to have relationships outside the dojo because of all these different coups that have happened for Sensei. But everybody was on edge. No one was having a good time. There was, there was no, hey man, you must enjoy Aikido. You must have such a good time. I go, nope. Mm -mm. Man, that's where I go to fight. It was a terror. It was, it was Gladiator's Arena, right? And today people are happier. They're more community-oriented. They, they know a lot about each other. They help each other. They help each other in business. They do all these different things that we never could ever, ever do when Free Sensei was alive. You know, Free Sensei found out me and Bill went to dinner without him. Oh my God, we'd be in Disaster. so much trouble. I used to come to the dojo on Friday nights until one day when Free Sensei said, We're all going to dinner. And I went, Oh, well, I already have plans. 
And then everyone was like, you already have plans? I go, it's Friday night. <laughs> he said, what plans do you have? I go, me and my friends in Old Town, we're going to you know, eat dinner and have fun. And he was like, he got all mad at me. So I just stopped coming on Friday nights because I don't want to hear it. Right? But that's that thing. Like, no one was having a good time. Today, I think people have a better time. They're more invested in each other's future. They treat each other nicer. Except for the seniors. Well, the seniors are working on it. But like, because they're still old school. Smash out their teeth, beat it out of them. You know, I can't see, I can't see you through all the blood type, <laughs> type people. But, <clears throat> but you know, it has changed. But then I secretly am scared that, oh, I'm not developing the type of Aikidos that Furu-sensei was developing. Do Furu-sensei's people, like Watanabe-sensei, he got his black belt in two years. I got my black belt in three years and change, right? Everyone was so strong back then. Everyone was so crazy back then. But everyone back then was a total jerk. Yeah. So there's that, you know, there's a give and take, right? And so, you know, it's hard to say what who's better, who's right, who's wrong. For Sensei right, is David right? Sensei wrong, David wrong, I don't know. It'll only the only way we'll know is in the end. Ah, David. David developed ten really high-level Aikido teachers who are really great people, as opposed to Free Sensei who only developed you know this. So that we we won't really know until the end, and that's super sad to me because the hardest place to be is is in the end when you realize you've you made a mistake, you played the hand wrong. And I see that a lot, a lot with people, a lot with teachers as well. They realize that the, the way they played their hand was wrong, and that's super painful for them. And so I am afraid too that I'm going to be on my deathbed and realize, oh my God, I played these cards wrong. I should have been hammering these guys the whole time. Ugh. I have no idea because we won't, you won't know until the end. You know, and I see these well-known Aikido teachers with true successors. I go, oh man, must be nice. That person has has a has a successor selected, and is developing that person, and that person is really good and a nice person. I go, oh, wow, that sucks. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I wish my teacher would have developed me to be a good Aikido teacher who is also a nice person, right? But he didn't have that capacity. And so when I see other people that I know online or whatever, and they have these these huge dojos with. Um, several different successors three of their kids are going to be aikido teachers or stuff like that i go wow how lucky i can't be sure that my kids are going to become aikido teachers they may not even ever come to the dojo and train that will be the way that went right but so that's the hard part you know it's like the dojo is a nicer place but is it are we am i retaining the knowledge from the past and disseminating it to the future and that's what we talked about in the beginning. The teacher's job is to take the the information, teachings, trainings from the past and then bring it to the next level, next generation. And so I think, oh, I don't know. Should I be stricter? Should I be meaner? Should I talk less? Should I come up with a, a Japanese accent when people ask, I don't know how to do that thing. No, I don't know if I'm supposed to do that. You know, people said you should grow a goatee, let your hair grow out, it's all gray, and then talk with a Japanese accent, people would eat it up. And I go, yeah, maybe fake. 
and then I would just be leading people astray. And then when I died, they realized he actually spoke like my grandmother when she died. And I thought about it. She spoke English to all these people. How come she never spoke English to us? She always pretended like she didn't speak English. And I go, and it made me all mad, right? But who will know who's right and wrong? And all you know is the product in the end. And that's why it's really important that everyone act right. Because Bill may not is, is, is my age or older, right? He is not going to be the next one, the next generation. Neither is Mike and neither are you. But you all can help me develop that person who's coming that we don't even know who it is. Nope, right. not yet. The janitor? Are you kidding me? It was the janitor this whole time was going to be the one? It was the bar. Uh, <laughs> should have spent more time with the janitor because now he's going to be the one, right? We don't even know. So it, it takes a, a child to raise, uh, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a dojo to raise the student, right? So that's what it really comes down to. Can I must teach the class, but can people help me do that? Can you all help me get the the dojo, Aikido, free sensei teachings, second dojo's teachings, or sensei's teachings to the next generation without messing it up too much? And then we'll all dance off into the sunset as happy as can be. Passing it off. I think that's a pretty good place to stop. Okay. Well, uh... Thank you for watching this podcast or listening to this podcast. Uh, don't forget to like or subscribe. And we thank you very much for watching or listening. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you.